completely ready uh, for the game. So as a coach, I'm a little anxious. Hopefully, I'll get to where I'm nervous. That'll be a good thing. Uh, that means I feel like we're prepared for it. We're not quite ready. Then more. He even doubled down on that theory. Jamie Chabell did at his media presser yesterday. As a coach, you try not to look too far ahead because uh, you're, you're focused on uh, with your team and, and the things that you need to do to, to get ready, not only for the game, but really the season. But uh, as we're getting closer here, our staff's excited about it because this is for majority of us, first time we ever get the chance to run out at home. So it's something that we're looking forward to. We're getting closer, but we're not there. I mean, how often do you hear this all the time with coaches? I mean, Trey, if you're trying to keep your team locked in and focused for a game that kicks off on Saturday, in the case of Liberty, noon, in the case of our Saturday doubleheader, it's actually at 11.30 a.m. for TCU against Colorado. But Virginia Tech will use as an example, 6 o'clock airtime, 8 o'clock kick on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Any of those, you don't peak on Tuesday of game week. You peak on game day. That's the objective. So you're trying to get guys fine-tuned. In fact, any, if anything, you're going to actually see more of this over the course of the season because look back on most seasons. Listen back to Hugh Freeze's prior press conferences if you're really bored and want to check that out. Check out press conferences from Tony Elliott and Justin Fuente or Tony Elliott and Bronco Mendenhall of Virginia, Brent Pry and Justin Fuente. No team is ever ready this early in the year. So you're not there. You're not quite ready. So if I'm a Liberty fan, by no means am I freaking out because the team doesn't seem like they're prepared right now. That said, there are some legitimate concerns about this particular team. One of which is, what can you realistically do or can't you do with the offense as currently constructed, including with whatever quarterback they trot out there? Yeah, we've not um, you know, installed tons of things I, I think the the thing is coaches what we have to fight is um them just understanding and the nuances of it like oh we can do this but we can't do it because they they're not ready for that and so for us i think we have to look in and say hey what can we do we might not be able to do what we want to do but what can we do and what can our players execute and let that be enough um and uh i, th- I think we have made strides in understanding what we're trying to do with it um but it also is going to be brand new for them all and and there's certain things that uh we want to do but we just can't and so that's what we're we're trying to put together the best game plan for what our guys can accomplish and play well and uh, i like where we've headed in that direction so far do you okay of course first thing you hear if you're a liberty flames fan on that particular part is not just the concern of what the offense can and can't do but for the caden salter backers that are out there Oh my goodness, this means we're going with Jonathan Bennett. Because if we can't do certain things, there must be physical limitations. Um, Yeah, there are physical limitations to Jonathan Bennett. Now, if you listen to what the coaches have said, and we plentifully shared their thoughts here in the fast lane, hello, we've shared the fact that while there may be physical limitations to it, and Trey and I both think probably at some point this year, Caden Salter will get action uh, at quarterback for Liberty because there is more physical upside. There may be physical limitations, so you may not call certain plays if he's the quarterback. So yes, there are playbook limitations for him. But there's the other side to this too. And and again, this is taking both sides, I get it. But it's why I've said, 
I lean Jonathan Benedict quarterback because he provides certainty and he's got the mental grasp and what Liberty's gone through. But by no means would I at all be shocked if number seven trots out there at center. It's not like, oh my gosh, how did I misread that situation? But the flip side is there are actually limitations if Caden Salter is out there at quarterback. Because for Caden Salter, the reality is it's been the decision-making that's been a challenge for him at quarterback. And I'm putting the Tennessee and what got him dismissed from Tennessee decision-making out. That's off-the-field stuff. Um, You can easily fine-tune that but still need more time to fine-tune your on-field decision-making and understand what's being asked of you. Heck, we discussed that with Michael Lombardi. We will discuss that with Michael Lombardi when we connect with him around 545 today in the fast lane. 540-ish, something like that, thereabouts. Trey's giving me estimates right now uh, on you know how this is going to unfold, uh, even though I set the schedule because I get distracted a lot, Trey, and I need you to keep Sorry, I'm putting out a fire as the show starts on a, our other station, so it's been a it's been a hectic start of the show. I almost I almost missed the entire start of the recording. Like I got the start of the Jamie Chadwell clip, but that was about it, so I'm warning that now this is some inside baseball we got, but I'm like... But I need to pause for right there, Trey, because... It is ironic we're talking about the Liberty Flames while you are putting out a fire, Flame. but in, in our Virginia hey, Talk Radio Network Hey, studios. the good news about this fire is it's not my fault. I mean, every fire is always my fault in some capacity. This one has nothing in relate. Well, this fire has nothing in relation to you, so I'll put it that way. I will tell you during the break what it is. That's fine. I will always say my next question, and I always ask this of myself, is what can we do better and what could we do differently? Gosh, do I sound like I'm throwing coach speak and cliche city out there for you. But the, the point for Liberty is there are limitations of what you're going to ask regardless of which quarterback is out there offensively. Because Jonathan Bennett, I would say, is slightly better at processing What's being asked of him offensively than Caden Salter? That's been the documented strength. It really is not a knock on Salter when you consider that Jonathan Bennett has been around college football longer than Caden Salter has. So even though Salter's had a couple of years, it's his first year in this offense. And he's not as familiar with it because he was recruited to Tennessee. Versus Jonathan Bennett, who was recruited to Liberty and signed there to play for Hugh Freeze, but... Look at one of his other finalists in his recruitment. And I know we're getting into the weeds on group of five recruiting here in the fast lane, but write it out. He was considering Jamie Chabwell's staff. So there is familiarity with what's being asked out of him. And that, again, another reason why pick up the offensive scheme a little bit quicker, all the transition with Liberty, why I lean with Jonathan Bennett. But there is the reduction in what you would ask Caden Salter, if nothing more than the fact that when more has been piled on his plate, he's had challenges adapting to that. Now... If he's more focused on the classroom part of it, film study, if he's more focused on the work away from the complex, what you do monitoring and studying the plays, that stuff can still show up and make him a better player over the course of the season and make him better prepared to be a quarterback. So this is not to say, again, oh my gosh, Caden Salter's the guy, not Jonathan Bennett. What are we going to do here? Because that's not the route that I'm going with it from Liberty. But if you're a fan pipe down the concern just a little bit because it's still early in the year and that's just what you have to contend with when you're trying to get through all of the nuance and all of the preparation and understanding how this season will play out for the Liberty Flames. You, meanwhile, have much greater certainty with how things will play out for you when you shop at InsaneRadioDeals.com because it's really that simple. When you shop there, savings galore. One homestand left 
for the Lynchburg Hillcats. General admission and reserved seats with a $10 food voucher at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Also, you're going to join me for the Star City App Marathon or 10K. I'm still on the fence about which one I'm going to do, and it's okay if you are as well. Don't worry. The event is the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Now, if you're planning the half marathon, you might want to start prepping right now. 10K, maybe so also, depending on just what your base level of fitness is. But either way, if you want reduced entry into the event at a much better rate than you would find anywhere else, InsaneRadioDeals.com. Entry for the Star City App Marathon, it's easy. You buy the entry, we hook you up with the unique code so that you can get that special rate to the Star City App Marathon and 10K. Really, by the way, I've enjoyed the event the last couple of years. They've moved the course around because of the challenges with law enforcement and just getting the right number of people and law enforcement staffs across the Commonwealth of Virginia and the country. And yet, in spite of those challenges, they've found a way to use the Greenway quite a bit. They've made it a bit of a variation, quite a bit of flat, certainly, but some hills in there. And best part is, there is a post-race celebration that features a lot of food, a lot of festivities. They've got different bands that are often playing at the start-finish line. So when you need that extra push at the end, that is there to get you through the final portion of your race. And you can get through it a little bit less expensively. I'm throwing a word in at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Speaking of races, but obviously a different kind, NASCAR racing. Plenty of that to get to right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So Matt Benedetto, a fan favorite driver, will not return in the truck series to Rackley War Racing in 2024. He issued the statement. It was one of those joint statements, but it's clearly written uh, more from the first person. I'll just say this having working knowledge of how that particular organization operates. It can be a stress for drivers that are used to competing for wins and at a championship level. It's not really a shock because we saw it with Timothy Peters. We've seen it with Matt Benedetto that it's more of an upstart operation that occasionally contends for top tens and top fives, but it's not normally there. And Matt Benedetto obviously had the great truck series race at Talladega last fall, getting to victory lane. And he's a fan favorite and people want to see him succeed. While his results have not been up to par, I think there are also higher expectations within the organization maybe than what drivers can realistically perform with what's being asked out of them, especially drivers that are used to knowing what it takes to win and how challenging that can be. Again, this is just my outside observation and realizing that They've done actually a really good job of getting talented drivers in that truck series group, but you are fighting an uphill battle compared to the more well-funded truck series operations. Number four. Survey says mixed results. A NASCAR street race in Chicago. An online survey of 662 residents. Granted, it's a city that's got a population of, you know, 7, 8 million, but 662 residents in Chicago. A survey showed that over half want the city to end its three-year contract with NASCAR as early as possible. You know, here's the thing. It does not reflect on everybody, but there were a lot of politics that went into this. It did inconvenience a lot of residents in terms of street closures in the weeks leading up to this event because so much publicity has gone into the Chicago street race. The idea that they would be able to take this down rather quickly, and they did. 
but there is that other angle and that's putting all of this together uh, over a longer period of time and the inconvenience to people outside the Chicago area where they don't see it but if you live there you clearly do not to mention that of cities that are likely to be favoring a NASCAR race um, politically Chicago and NASCAR don't seem to align in terms of how their fans would think if you get the drift that we're going and oh by the way you're also talking about a city that doesn't have much history in terms of embracing motorsports the way that NASCAR has been embraced in other areas. By the way, speaking of NASCAR. Number three. Crew chief swap from Joe Gibbs Racing. Christopher Bell, who is in the playoffs, will be getting Ty Gibbs pit crew, who will be receiving the number 20 crew from Christopher Bell. Why? It's actually easy if you look at the advanced data on pit crews. And I'm not sure if y'all did that on the Happy Hour podcast this week, Trey. We did not. I did not listen to it yet. It is saved in my archive. If you want to hear how Brian Nolan pisses me off, tune into that. Yes, because what else happens? Anyway, Ty Gibbs is actually one of the highest performing pit crews by a lot of the advanced metrics. And it may sound weird that advanced math and metrics are being brought in, but newsflash, NASCAR and their multi-million dollar business operations have been using that for quite a while. Yes, there are some people out there that think it's just a bunch of rednecks turning left and in its most simplistic form, that's the case. If you actually are around a race, you realize there's a lot more to it. And also, because of those metrics, it's why this swap makes a lot of sense. Now, number two. Speaking of quarterbacks or leaders of an organization, the quarterback at Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, according to Sports Business Journal and data from Zoomf, which measures social media engagement, that Sam Hartman's Instagram following has grown 37% and is also seen, Hartman has, an exposure rate increase of 204% on his posts on social media since transferring to Notre Dame, meaning his average, meaning on average, his personal Instagram posts are reaching more than double his following. Trey, why is this noteworthy for a Liberty or a JMU? Heck, a Virginia Tech, which lost a receiver to Notre Dame before he had to medically retire in Caleb Smith, or a school like Virginia. It speaks to the power of these big brands with the connectivity to fans, the data that they will leverage to get the best media rights deal, and the best dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That they possibly could. Of course, nothing blends with Notre Dame quite like Kenny Powers, the great legend. But this is the type of stuff that Notre Dame undoubtedly is going to include in their pitches, as will other sports brands. Speaking of quarterbacks and sports brands, the highest sports brand when it comes to quarterback and number one on the fast five at five-ish is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, even though they have not won a Super Bowl in over 20 years. It's looking a little bit like those Dallas Cowboys is peaking in the 90s. Because the Dallas Cowboys apparently and reportedly did not consult with Dak Prescott about the possibility of a Trey Lance trade. Again, we'll get more on how front offices operate with Michael Lombardi, former NFL executive, around 540 today here in the fast lane. But, I mean, what are we doing here? Why in the world are people surprised that Dallas didn't consult with Dak Prescott? Realistically, organizations don't consult who they might acquire in the draft or by trade. Now, you may get a courtesy phone call like Tom Brady got from New England. Hey, we may draft a quarterback in the second round, which they did. Didn't say who it would be, but we might draft one in the second round. If you've established yourself, maybe you should expect something like that, a la Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But Dak Prescott has not done that. 
So I don't get it. Now, I don't believe Trey Lance is exactly a threat to Dak Prescott the way many people do, but the idea that he should have been consulted is a little far-fetched. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, it'll be Bud Foster, Virginia Tech defensive coordinator, previewing Old Dominion against Virginia. But more on NASCAR right now as we have a chance to get into the weeds on two of the most polarizing drivers in NASCAR. Chase Elliott versus Bubba Wallace and lessons from making and missing the playoffs. Let's get into the weed. (coughs) Smoke weed every day. Excuse me. Let's get into the weeds where we take a dive into different sports topics here on the Fast Lane. So Chase Elliott misses the NASCAR playoffs. And it really was not a surprise to most people, credit to you, by the way, Trey. You can take a victory lap if you would like for calling this. At Trey Low VT, where I, I shared my news. Yes, Trey, humble brag over on the other side of the room here and on that other mic that you hear. Chase Elliott missed the playoffs. This was built up well before his fourth place run was, in the immortal words of our friend JoJo, too little, too late. Because I thought your colleague Trey from FrontStretch.com, Tom Bowles, made a great point in his article today about how Chase Elliott's season, as bad as it was to have been lost by the multiple races he missed to the injury, and again, I, I get you can do what you want in your personal time, but if you really care about winning, you dedicate everything you do to winning, you don't take the risks that Chase Elliott took that got him in this situation to begin with. But then it was compounded by what happened with the retaliation on Denny Hamlin that got him that extra one-race suspension and really changed the entire complexion of the season. Now, I'll throw this out there for Chase. One lesson is something he could learn from Daniel Suarez. Because Daniel Suarez spoke with Bob Hockers after the race at Daytona this past weekend and wanted it to hurt for he and his team missing the playoffs. Nothing we can do about it. Uh, only learn and get better. Um, I know that uh, this 99 team has more than this. has potential for more as well. Uh, we just have to make sure that this one hurt. You know, we have to make it hurt uh, so, we, so we get better. We have to make it hurt so that we get better. See, that's the thing for Chase Elliott is how much does it hurt? How much is he willing to change? Who he is as a driver, what he does in terms of preparation, including maybe changing what risks he's willing to take away from the track so that if you get a one-way suspension for hooking Denny Hamlin because what you believe is an unfair move on the track and you need to prove a point, that you're not behind the eight ball because you would have had five, six other races that you raced and had a chance to get those points to be in playoff contention, maybe even get a win. But you take all those opportunities away and it is a missed season for Chase Elliott. And that's where you hear what he said to frontstretch.com after the race and it's reasonable to wonder where he'll go with the idea that we will learn and be better. I, uh, you know, I hate it. I hate the way that it worked, that it's worked out. I can't change it now. You know, just we've been trying to fight through it, and we came up short. So that's, uh, that's life sometimes. So we'll, uh, I do think we'll be better for this on, on the other end you know, somewhere. Chase Elliott speaking with FrontStretch.com and others after the race about learning and being better. Because what happened at Daytona? The seeds of the outcome of who made the playoffs and didn't, they were easily sown before that particular race. And... Chase Elliott, if it stings that much, show it by making the right changes starting at Darlington and then carrying forward and let it hurt the way that Daniel Suarez so eloquently said because that often is good. Lean in to that sense of emotion because that is part of what can make you a better competitor as well as 
a better driver and better team. When we come back in the fast lane, speaking of leaning into the challenges, somebody who was very good at that during his time as the offensive coordinator of Virginia Tech, Bud Foster. We will catch up with him and look ahead to the season opener against Old Dominion, 6 o'clock airtime on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and VTR in Southside 106.3 this Saturday. One of five college football games, by the way, that we'll have over the weekend. Full lineups will be posted on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg Facebook page. Check that out. But when we come back, more on that matchup with Bud Foster next here in the Fastlane.